You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. We get in so much trouble. Every time we rely on ourselves, we get in so much difficulty. Scripture says we must die to self. We must die to the flesh, the wants of the flesh. We must allow God's word to be our guide. There's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death, it leads to destruction. We got to be so careful of those things. Have you ever tried to do something on your own and then with someone else's help? With help, your task was probably much easier. Life is just the same. On your own, life is hard. Life is full of difficult circumstances and trials. But with help from the creator of the universe, who can stand against you? And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 4 as he continues his message, The Glory of God Departs. We want God to accomplish our purpose. And this is what I want, Lord. And you pray for that. What does James say? Well, you don't get it because you've asked amiss. You've asked for personal gain. God doesn't answer those prayers. These elders didn't seek God's will. These elders didn't walk by faith. They weren't glorifying God. And to top it off this disgrace, the two wicked priests, Hophni and Phinehas, were the ones that went and got the Ark of the Covenant. So... Let's put this into perspective. Israel is in total sin. They are disobeying God's law left and right. They're not being led by a godly priest. And his wicked sons go and pick up the most holy object of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant, where God comes to sit. Do you realize what the Ark of the Covenant is? Does anybody understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the Ark of the Covenant? Behind the veil in the most holy place? No one has ever seen the Ark of the Covenant except the high priest, and he can only see it once a year. And when he goes in, he had better take care of his own sin, because if not, he gets struck dead. So he goes in, and he makes sacrifice for the nation Israel. And supposedly, the Shekinah glory, the smoke, comes and sits between the cherubim on the Ark, and it's the presence of God. That's how holy this piece of furniture is. There is no more holier piece of furniture in the tabernacle. So they run and they grab the thing. These guys grabbed the thing, and there were specific ways that you were supposed to move the ark too. There were specific ways that you were supposed to move the ark, but they grabbed the ark and they take it out to battle. These men whom God had already prepared for judgment and already told Samuel that the judgment was going to come against them. Israel sees the ark coming, and they fall right into the mix. Yay, the ark's here. Woohoo! the ark's here. Woohoo! yay, we're saved now. <laughs> one, car- one commentator called this their, self- their carnal self-confidence. Their confidence. Every time we rely on self, we get in so much trouble. Every time we rely on ourself, 
we get in so much difficulty. Scripture says we must die to self. We must die to the flesh, the wants of the flesh. We must allow God's Word to be our guide. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. It leads to destruction. We've got to be so careful of those things. Sadly, the ark may have been to the Israelites, with the Israelites, but the Lord was against them. The Lord was against them. Even though their shout for joy shook the earth, they had no guarantee of victory. There was no guarantee of victory. They thought that their shout was a battle cry for victory. Well, several thousand years later, the greatest battle cry of victory was heard. Several thousand years later, the greatest battle cry ever cried for victory on a cross. It is finished. Greatest battle cry there is. Defeated Satan. Washed away our sin. Greatest battle cry ever. God has completed it. It's finished. And we need to rest in Him The sight, although frightened the Philistines, it emboldened them all the more because one of them stands up and says, don't be a coward. Let's go out and be men. Let's go out and fight these guys. We can take them. And some 30,000 Israel soldiers were slaughtered because of disobedience, because of sin. What can we glean from this? What can we glean from these first 10 verses? Well, first of all, I can glean that God cannot be used to make a sinful people achieve their own self-process or their own self-righteousness. We can't use God to do those things. In fact, in 2 Samuel 2, verse 30, it says this, Therefore the Lord God of Israel says, I indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, Far be it from me. Here he is. For those who honor me, I will honor Those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. That's what's happening. Israel despised God. They weren't following his ways. They weren't following his word. And they were defeated by the Philistines. In verse 11a, and also the ark of God was captured. It's interesting again that in five times between verses 11 and 22, it says the ark of God was captured, was taken. Never in Israel's history had this happened. Never in Israel's history has the ark of God fallen in the enemy hands. As I said before, the ark of God was the most important piece of furniture within the tabernacle. It was a place where God sat between the cherubim. It sat behind that veil, and it was only seen on the Day of Atonement. Even during God's time in the wilderness, when they moved the ark, they covered it. The priest would cover it up first before they moved it, so no one would see it. The ark represented God's throne, and now it was in the enemy's hands. But the ark only represented the throne of God if they submitted to God. But they weren't submitting themselves to God. They weren't obedient to their word. The ark was not a lucky charm. 
It truly wasn't a sin, however, to take the ark in the battle because Moses and Joshua did. But they followed the law of God. They followed God when he told them to do this. You remember in Jericho? Who led the battle of Jericho? The priests with the ark of God. They were the ones that carried the ark around first. And everybody else followed around the city. As usual, God had a plan. God had a plan. And he was going to teach not only Israel a lesson, but he was going to teach the Philistines a lesson too. God had a plan. In verse 11b, we see the prophecy of Samuel that Samuel was given and the prophecy that Eli was given by the man of God back in chapter 2 come true. Hophni and Phinehas died. Remember the prophecy was, your sons will die on the same day. This is coming true. They're killed. See, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. You can sow to righteousness and reap righteousness. Or you can sow to the flesh and reap fleshly pleasures and or death. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. In verses 12 through 18 now, we see the death of Eli. And we read through it. Eli could not stop his sons from taking the ark, and this was a problem. Although he was 90, or 97, or 98, and he was overweight, and he couldn't do anything, he never could. Remember, we talked about Eli being a poor spiritual father. He was a poor father. He was a poor high priest, and he was a poor spiritual father. He didn't lead his kids to the way of the Lord. In fact, he allowed his kids to do anything they wanted to do, basically. He never chastised them for doing wicked things, and this is why the Lord was coming against him. Once a father loses control of his children and is not the spiritual leader he's supposed to be, it's very difficult to get it back. It's very difficult to reclaim that. But God was still on the heavenly throne. Even though his earthly throne had been cheapened and turned into a lucky charm, God was still on the throne. God was still on the throne. They take the news to Shiloh. They take the news to Shiloh. And it's interesting that a man of Benjamin came. Many, many scholars might think that this was Saul. Many scholars might believe that this is Saul who would become king, Saul. This man from Benjamin. Doesn't say. It's all speculative. But there's many scholars who believe, because it's mentioned a man from Benjamin. So they believe that. I don't know. I'm just saying what they believe. The news was delivered to Shiloh. He, He was all torn. He was beaten. He gave the bad news to Eli about his son. They believe Eli suffered a stroke of some sort because of the shock, fell over backwards, and broke his neck. This was the beginning of the prophecy that God had said that he would end the line of Eli and begin a fresh new priestly line. God would end the fresh new priestly line. The line would end with Eli. And finally, we come to verses 9 through 22. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas' wife, was with child 
due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of God was captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth. For her labor pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you have borne a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard it. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because of her father-in-law and husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. It's interesting that the wife of Phineas seemed to be more spiritual than her husband and her father-in-law. She seemed to have more of a spirituality. She longed for the glory of God. She longed for the glory of God and she actually felt a burden of it. The name Ichabod means the glory is gone. Glory is gone, but then she dies. Interesting note here that I found. Very interesting note. I did some exploring and I found this. In the book of Exodus, Exodus, we see for the first time the word Chebod, C-A-H-B-O-D, Chebod, meaning weight or splendor, used in reference to God's presence, God's glory. We also see this word when they're talking about Mount Sinai, when they're talking about the glory of God, Chabad, C-H-C-A-H, Chabad. And we also see it in the tabernacle in the wilderness referring to God's glory. Now that the ark is gone, the people of God are defeated, and you add an I in front of Chabad, and you get Ichabod. The glory is gone. The glory is no longer. God's glory departed Israel. This was a sad time for the nation. I don't know about you guys, but there are times when I feel like God's glory has left me. And it's a sad time. You can't seem to find your way. You can't seem to find his presence. You can't seem to feel his presence. And you think, what have I done? Where are you, Lord? Why have you left me? Where are you? Your word says you'll never leave nor forsake me. How come I don't feel your presence anymore? And then what I have to do is I have to examine myself. I have to go back and look within, deep within, and I have to put my heart before the Lord and say, Lord, examine me and try me to see if there's any wicked way in me. Show me my errors that I might confess and repent. And I have to get on my knees and I have to get on my face and repent to the Lord so that his glory might return a sad time. Israel dishonored God. Israel disobeyed God. They didn't follow his commandments. They didn't heed his words. God's glory in the camp had a special meaning. It meant that Israel was his chosen people. God's glory in us has a special meaning. The Holy Spirit in us has a special meaning. We are God's children. We are God's people. And when we dishonor him, when we disobey him, There are consequences, and sometimes we feel left out. We feel like we're out somewhere, and he's no longer around us. And we cry out, where are you, God? Why have you left me? Why are you here? Where are you? I'm sure many of you have felt like that. I know I have. God departed them. King Solomon would build a temple. The temple. And once again, God's glory will return to the nation Israel. When King Solomon dedicates the temple in 1 Kings 8.10, God's glory returns to the temple. 
but doesn't last very long because before the destruction of Jerusalem, the prophet Ezekiel saw the glory of God once again leave the city. Ezekiel then is given a glimpse into the future and saw the millennial temple and the return of the glory of God. Ezekiel 43. That God's glory did return. God's glory came in the form of a baby born in a manger. And they named him Jesus. For he would save their people from their sins. God's glory returned to earth again. I have a little history lesson for you. The event that we just talked about was so significant, it was so tragic to the nation Israel that the psalmist Asaph included it in one of his psalms, specifically Psalm 78, verses 60 through 61, talks about the incidents we just told. And he tells us much more happened than just the capture of the ark. He tells us that the Lord abandoned the entire tabernacle and allowed the Philistines to destroy it. Find that in Jeremiah 17, uh, 7, 12 through 14. The Philistines will eventually return the ark, and we'll look at that when we get to chapter 6. The wicked sons of Eli thought that their little scheme would save the glory of God, but it took it away. So many times, our little schemes and our little superstitions are against God's will. Our little plans that we make up that we try to devise. God doesn't work through our schemes. At least he doesn't work through mine. God doesn't work through our schemes. He doesn't work through our superstitions. He doesn't work through our religious practices. He wants people to look to him. He wants people to look to God. He wants people to trust in him. And he wants people to allow him to work in their lives through the Holy Spirit. So many times we go to Christian bookstores... And we see these books all over the place. Six Steps to Deliverance. Twelve Principles for a Successful Life. And many Christians follow these things. And they buy these things. And they're not scripturally based. And they look and they want to know these things. And you go into the Christian bookstores and you might find more self-help books than you do in a regular bookstore. People are always looking for the latest fad. I'm going to throw one out there for you when I'm not... Trying to put it down. I'm just trying to throw one out there for you. It was called the Prayer of Jabez. Everybody ran around praying the Prayer of Jabez. Your name's not Jabez. What do you pray that prayer for? But see, we glean onto a fad. We glean onto that fad. I know Christians who crisscross the country looking for the blessing. Oh, the blessing's over here, and they run over there, and they come back, and oh, we got blessed. Wait a minute, the blessing's down there, and they run down there, and they come back, oh, we've been blessed, and they're running over. Well, wait a minute. God can bless you right where you are, and has blessed us right where he's blessed his church mightily. But they want the latest fad, the hottest trend in spirituality, so they can make themselves into a super spiritual person. And look down at you and go, oh, you're not quite as spiritual as I am. Don't you know that I am a super spiritual? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. God wants to show us through his word what he has for us. 
He doesn't want to show us through programs. He wants to show us through his word. This is why Calvary Chapel teaches God's word line upon line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept, so that you will receive the whole counsel of God. We don't leave anything out. When it talks about a certain thing, we address it and we talk about it. You never hear us talking about money, but when we get to the scriptures that talk about tithing, we will. We'll talk about tithing. We'll talk about the biblical principles. We'll talk about those things. But we don't just talk about it because the coffers are low. We follow the scriptures and we talk about what's in the scriptures. God wants us to be spirit-filled. He wants us to be spirit-led. He wants us to give him all glory and honor that's due his name. We don't need to come up with schemes and plans for God to visit us. He has visited us. The Holy Spirit is in each of us. You can scream and shout all you want. You can jump up and down all you want. God is not concerned with that. He's concerned with your walk in him. And that's why we have his word. We don't need clever sayings. To help us in our walk with Him, we need more of Him in our lives. We get more of Him when we study God's Word. Israel fell by the wayside because they abandoned God's Word. They abandoned it completely. You want to read a great restoration story? A great story of restoration to God's Word? Read Nehemiah. When, When they go to rebuild Jerusalem and they get Ezra to start reading the Word of God. And look what happens when they start reading the Word of God and start gleaning from God's Word. Wonderful things happen. See, it's God's Word that transforms our lives. It's God's Word that gives us strength. It's God's Word that encourages us. It's God's Word that keeps us straight and moves on. And yes, God's Word will convict us. It will chastise us if we need chastising. Yes, it will. That's what it's supposed to do. And hopefully we will have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And if we're being chastised, there's a reason. Because God loves you. God loves you. One of the reasons he allowed Israel to go through all this stuff, because of his great love for them. His great love for them. As you who are parents have chastised your children when they went wrong, when they did wrong. Why? Because of the love you have for them. You want to see them go the straight way. Walk the straight way. It's what God's doing, and God does it in our lives. Don't don't despise the chastening of the Lord, the Scripture says. Don't despise it. Sometimes He carries us to the woodshed. Sometimes He has to. But out there more than once this week. What's so funny about that? But that's how much He loves me. And that's how much He loves you. And that's why He's given us His Word. So that we would know. Know what? Know Him. Know Him. What He expects. What He wants. Know where salvation can be gotten. Know about the Holy Spirit. Why the Holy Spirit has been sent to us. Everything right here in God's Word. Everything we need to know. Everything has been given to us. We don't want to be like Israel and forsake it. We don't want to be like Israel and dishonor it. Because it's His very Word spoken to us. And I revere it. I revere it. Because in these words are life. You are sure. 
Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.